I'm your host, Valerie Boardman. We often think of accessibility as doorways and ramps, but what about the smaller things? Today, we're talking with Greg as he recounts the many struggles he and his family had as their dad aged, from senior living apartments to going out to eat, from apartment keys and lamps to wrapped straws and menus. There's some things that we we saw happening that just were maximum struggle. It was just so important for him to feel real. On one hand, you laugh and you you can't help but just shake your head. And on the other hand, you just cry. Welcome to Desperately Seeking Senior Living, a podcast for sons, daughters, grandkids, and spouses who suddenly find themselves tangled in the search for senior living and care. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and check out our doable download in today's show notes for a printable summary of the show and a bonus tip from our guest. The bad news is uh, this last year, dad passed away. Um, unfortunately, it was during the whole COVID nightmare. But he had been living in an assisted living home in Kent for almost six years. And that time he was living fairly successfully. Those six years were filled with a lot of good and a lot of frustration. He turned 97 last year and during the COVID experience of virtually no contact with us. Yeah, it was a tough year. For sure. We just had some real challenges. You know, really the only time we could see him was when we had to drag him to the doctor or the, the dentist occasionally because of a broken crown and whatnot. And that was really the only time we could really assess how he's really doing, how he's declining. And that was our opportunity. And that was it. Otherwise, we were really relying on some of the nurses at his facility and some of the staff. And that was good information, but it wasn't our information. It wasn't our assessment. So it was such a struggle. And he was failing miserably, struggling miserably. And there was all sorts of health and safety concerns that we just don't know how he survived. Those concerns are important even when you can visit. I can't imagine not being able to visit and and being worried like that. What were some of the health and safety concerns that you had? Just being stranded in a room for that long, his mental health condition was just deteriorating significantly. And it was really hard to identify that, but we could tell. Yeah, you you know him. We know him and the phone calls and the random calls where he didn't think he was phoning us, the lamps falling down, accessibility in the in the bathroom was just becoming a very serious concern. Yeah, I don't, I mean, we have a lot of regrets. We should have really considered moving him out of there much sooner. And finally, with your help, thank God, we got him to uh, an adult home and he was there for a couple months living very safely, uh, which was our premium concern. And I'm not sure he was real happy about it in the end, but thank God he was there. And this place to allow us to come and visit once a day was just an absolute miracle. And and we should say they did that very carefully. Very carefully. And we appreciated that. And he couldn't understand it. Um, he never did. You know, he had, he couldn't understand us with our masks on. And so it was just so frustrating. And in the end, he wasn't really mobile. He was diminishing quickly. There's no telling if it was, I mean, there's no There is going to be no way to calculate how this has affected millions of seniors. There just isn't. And it's going to be staggering. We haven't had that many opportunities to gather as as a family and kind of hash through, did we do okay? What mistakes did we make? And what would we have done differently? And there's countless hundreds of regrets. And and, we're going to struggle with it for a long time, even though we all say we did the best we could. 
course we did, but of course, but still, you know, there's just you're snapping your fingers all the time. I should have done that. Should have thought about that. I should have mm-hmm. bought that thing. You can only do as good as you can do. You can only do as good as we can do. And hearing that from peers that had the same challenges as we did, the families would have been so crucial and so helpful. And yeah, uh, this forum is just so necessary. So we're we're thrilled to be part of it. Thank you so much for being here too, because I'm really hopeful that you sharing your story is going to help other families. And we've only told half the story. (laughs) We have some categories. We're going to start with assisted living life hacks. And then after we're going to talk some restaurant hacks that, that really, that came up with all of us when we took him out. There's some things that we, we saw happening that just were maximum struggles. If we had solved them sooner, it probably could have resulted in, in a happier time for him and a, and a more peaceful time for him because he really, he agonized about it too. So um, a little bit of, little, little bit of background on my dad. He had um, some dexterity problems with his fingers. He didn't really have arthritis, but problems manipulating and turning and twisting. And when you couple that with sight problems, which my dad had horrible cataract issues, getting a key off of his keychain, which he later positioned onto his walker pretty well so that he had a good shot at the door. We sat, I'm not joking, we probably sat there for a minute or two trying to get that key in the door. And we'd sit there and and we were sitting by him and and all of us different times thinking, should we intervene? Should we help him? Should we just let him do it and feel like he conquered it? Should we just get in the door? You know, like all these things, calm down, get it, get the key in there. And it just went on and on and, and he struggled with it mightily. And finally, I purchased a thing called a key aid turner. Tell us about it. It was a big, long handle. It's probably five or six inches that the key screwed onto. And so this handle allowed to, to move the key around and it was big and colorful. He could grab that thing and could hold it and turn the key successfully. And it's a simple little stupid thing, but it meant a lot to him that I think he was able to use his dexterity and and really try to conquer it himself. I love this. What we see a lot is that because of these key issues, seniors are actually leaving their doors unlocked. For sure. And when, Valerie, when are we going to see keyless entry in these senior facilities? I mean, it's got to happen. Yeah. If hotels can do it, I have seen some really cool locks that are more accessible. Yeah. So I think, you know, my hope is that with the newer buildings, that this is something, you know, that they would put in. It's a, it's about cost. We get it. But to have a card and to be able to swipe it at a random place and be able to successfully unlock that door, boy, what a big deal that would have been. Oh yeah. Such a big deal. And don't even get us started on the mailbox maze. So how did you navigate that? How did you manage that? Well, he, he knew that it was two rows and three rows up. So he knew that was his box. But but the key was half the size and the keyhole was half the size. And so he could he could spend a long time trying to get that box open. Never asking for help, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so we never did get a great solution for that, but I'll tell you, it 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 breaks your heart. Um, it also kind of makes, you know, you, you kind of smile as you're watching it. Just, you know, he wants to do it so badly and, and get there and get that mail out. Yes. To be as independent 
as possible for as long as we possibly can be. And that's what's so great about all the things we're talking about today, which has actually come up in other interviews. (laughs) So let's talk about remote controls, (laughs) all the different ones. (laughs) Buttons and remotes. We figured out that on the many, many remote controls that we offered up in the course of six or seven years, right? Trying to do a little count of all the little gadgets that we presented to him to solve one solution or another. We had a gadget to move his electric chair up and down. It looked very similar to his remote control for his TV, which also looked very similar to his remote control for his air conditioning unit, which kind of looked the same as the phone that he had. And all these things kind of blended together. By the end of it, it was not working. And I can't say we had a great solution for this, but the air conditioning became a pretty severe issue. And he lived on the westerly facing side of his facility. And it was hotter than Hades in there during the summer. And so we brought in a air conditioner units that hooks up to the window. Too many buttons, too confusing. What does mode mean? I don't even know what mode means. I couldn't explain it to him. And so I came over and I, I taped with black tape over all the buttons that were insignificant and not useful. So basically, the only button he could push, because I taped over it very carefully, power on and the temperature. For some reason, you know, he'd still probably inadvertently push the black tape, which meant mode. And so the whole thing would get all cattywampus. So he would never would get a cool room. The remote control for that thing was useless because you couldn't really figure that out or see it or have the dexterity to push the right buttons. In the end, and a lot of these things are, are, are kind of geared this way, but simpler was better. And that meant get rid of the AC unit and just get an old fan with a knob on it. And that's something that, you know, he had in his memory bank that you could turn the knob somewhat successfully. It wasn't as good as cooling your room to 70 degrees, but it felt like you were doing something. We brought in a couple of those big fans and they'd get knocked over and, you know, we'd have challenges with that situation as well. But here we are just trying to be so beneficial and so helpful. And yeah, this thing is newest, greatest, latest. And in the end, it was just vast confusion for somebody his age. And we're bringing in, we're bringing in remotes, we, little devices for his hearing aids that can help him Bluetooth to his hearing aids. And we're bringing in a new phone and we're bringing in, a, and Comcast would have a new remote for the TV. All these things just got to be too much. As he progressed, we just said, man, let's just go back to a simple fan and get rid of this thing. And it went in the closet and never came out. It's just a, a lesson that took us too long to conquer. I don't know either what all the buttons are on all the remotes. I, I use, you know, a couple. I think tape is a brilliant hack yeah. because it's so easy yeah. and you can feel. So if there are vision issues, you know, you can feel. And you can feel it. You know, where the tape is. So yeah, I think that's a good one. A friend of mine famously made a cardboard template for the remote control for the TV so that his dad could push channel volume power. And these remotes are complicated. And yeah, I get it. I know there's a hundred remotes out there that have big, huge buttons. Mm. Not all of them work with every TV. Then it introduces yet another remote he now has to get used to. Yeah. 
It's interesting too that you mentioned the big remotes because those are out there, but those are also very unnatural. They're very unnatural. We're not used to having this big remote. You're used to, your thumb can reach the on button while you hold the remote in your hand, right? So (laughs) I think it's one of those things that you just wouldn't even think about. Yeah. And this became a pretty big safety hazard for us, especially during COVID. Uh, We'd go in and, or we couldn't go in, but we'd be outside of the window and, and look at his uh, blinds and they're all torn and tattered and we, we finally figured out that the lamp kept falling mm. it was because he was incapable of finding the the knob and turning it once twice three times at night he'd want to turn on the light see where he's going try to go to the bathroom and the lamp must have fallen far too many times this is something we've probably learned way way too late but there are many lamps now like Hazon has a ton of them that are motions sensitive and touch sensitive. So all you need to do is just touch the base somewhere on the base of the lamp and it'll turn the lamp on. What a godsend that would have been to have that. The old style lamps, man, they are tough. And you gotta, you gotta have some, not only a little bit of strength, but you gotta find that little black knob. That is tough stuff for a 97 year old. It is just tough. In the middle of the night. (laughs) In the middle of the night. And, and then, you know, he wants it three ways so that it can get super bright. And then you're turning it six times. Thank God it didn't hurt him. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Just way too late in the ballgame for us. We just just kicking ourselves about could have made it so much easier for him. So I was doing a little research for this show. I just saw so many out there that are really cool and can do different colors and are LED and what a brilliant, cheap solution that could have been for him. Yeah. So the next the last thing for the assisted living homes, and this goes for, I mean retirement homes, whatnot, but storage areas became a real issue. We had things like toilet paper and towels in these cabinets underneath the sink. So here's a guy, 95 years old, in a walker, hunching over, leaving his walker in the bathroom, which is a very tight space to begin with. A lot of times getting on his hands and knees, which he would proudly tell us, had to get on my hands and knees, get under the sink and get a toilet paper and whatever supply he needed, right? So we just said, this, this has got to stop. He is going to fall and those bathrooms are tight, tight and lots of corners and sharp edges. And it's just, it just, you shudder to even think about it. So we, we said, you know, the facility isn't going to do anything about this. It has to come from the family. So we shopped around and found a really nice cupboard, which we secured to the wall and made everything at eye level that he needed. It was easy for him to open. And he felt like we were solving a problem for him. And and it was a win for everybody. And even the facility kind of liked it because they could load it up with fresh towels after they cleaned them. It didn't take much. It was a $130 cabinet at the big box stores. It gave us so much peace of mind. And it made it so much easier for him to just grab a hand towel. And we kind of abandoned those cabinets. And we almost felt like do we need to put a child lock under these things? We don't want him under there. And yet it's the only storage that they offer in the bathroom. So again, it's shameful. I mean, they really expect senior citizens in their 70s, 80s, 90s or more getting underneath a sink to get something they need. It's a big deal because, you know, on one hand, it's having the independence of this bathroom that looks like your normal bathroom. Yes. But uh, on the other hand, having options or families just being aware that these are issues and might be something that they 
you know, should ask. And of course, Greg, we do have to stop. <laughs> we have to say, you know, definitely ask <laughs> if this is something that you can install in the bathroom. And I would say that most of the time, you know, communities are going to be very accommodating. But, you know, to your point, yeah, I I mean, getting down and bending over, some folks might want to try to do it on their own, like your dad did, getting on his knees. Yeah. Again, it's giving him some some liberty, some freedom. Yeah. Another one of those things, which I know is really important to your family, is going out to dinner. This is a huge topic for my family because for dad, getting out of the facility and leaving and getting into a car and driving down the street and just experiencing some degree of normalcy was huge. Uh, Boy, he sure felt like this was living large. Going to a restaurant was just top of the list, especially with his kids. And there was a couple (laughs) Seattle area restaurants that were, you know, to him, just the high society, (laughs) right? And he just felt like, boy, is this, this couldn't be better. So each of us tried to, you know, take him out. What were some of the things that you guys ran into? Let's just start with such a real simple thing that turned into a, a real, real issue. And that was salt and pepper shakers. And there's a restaurant, a national chain restaurant. And it begins with A. These guys figured out that what we really need to do is eliminate regular salt and pepper shakers and go to a plastic salt and pepper shaker that you gotta turn. And I'm not joking. I, I probably went with him to this restaurant I don't know, 60 or 70 times. And every single time he would grab a salt shaker and use it the same way he's used a salt shaker for 95 years and not get any salt. And we'd have to review it with him. Dad, you got you got to hold it and then turn the, the knob, right? For people with, and we talked about arthritis or hand issues or coordination issues or sight issues. Uh. And I get it. Their clientele is not the 95-year-old assisted living guy. It was just so important for him to feel real. On one hand, you laugh and you you can't help but just shake your head. And on the other hand, you just cry. Mm. So we got to bring salt and pepper shakers with us. And he learned this pretty well because <laughs> when he went to breakfast each morning, he figured out that the oatmeal at his facility uh, just wasn't very flavorful. So he carried around a cinnamon shaker in his walker, in his little pouch in his walker for several years. And it stayed in there. And he used that cinnamon every morning going to breakfast. And we just, I've been thinking about this for the last six months. I I just should have brought that salt and pepper shaker with us in his walker every time he went out to a restaurant. Because invariably, he doesn't really even taste the food. He just feels like he's got to put salt and pepper on the food. And if we had just had something normal, something that he's used to, he had all sorts of little goodies in his little pouch and his walker that we could have loaded up with great stuff. Those walkers hold a lot of really good things. <laughs> and this next thing that we're going to talk about um, is also something that I really struggle with as well. And something that you might need to add maybe a magnifying glass to that walker. Uh, but what is that next thing? So next thing I wanted to bring up was menus. Part of the other drama of for him of, and the high society part of this whole experience was picking up a menu and seeing all these wildly fantastic choices and, and at the national chain restaurants. I mean, it's 10 or 12 pages of menu. 
with a hundred items with font that is very difficult for even me to read and explanations of the dishes, which mean nothing to him. Part of feeling empowered was for him to make a choice and be able to say, I'd love that. Yes. To have just a simple one page senior menu would have just been amazing. Or yeah. even, or even, and I guess some restaurants do this, but even just the specials for the day. Specials for the day. How about that? You don't even have to call it your senior menu. Yeah. <laughs> you could even just say, would you like to see our specials for the day menu? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of frustrating right now because I think restaurants feel like they're really doing a, a huge favor by putting the menus available online, right? We can scan the QR code and we can get these these uh, menus online now. But for this other, albeit small segment of the population, it's of no value to them. It represents nothing that they're familiar with. And so there was a lot of coaching and we're happy to coach. Hey, oh, they got chicken Thai salad. They had soup of the tomato soup. You love tomato soup, right? We, so there's a lot of coaching and maybe that interaction was more valuable than him making his own decision. I, I still feel like for him to be able to work through something, even if it's six or seven items or three or four items, like you said, for a daily special, how, how empowering is that? So boy, what a, what a struggle the, the whole food and menu thing was. Today's episode is brought to you by ClearPath Senior Living Solutions. ClearPath helps families find assisted living, memory care, and other resources. Find our contact information in today's show notes. One of the other things that you struggled with was the size of the glasses at some of the restaurants that you went to. These portions are just enormous. And, um, one of the things that he would always want to order is uh, iced tea. And sometimes he'd order just some water and iced tea and maybe share some of my beer. But here comes the iced tea. And it's in a 24-ounce glass that's that tall, as you're pointing to something that's like 12 inches high. And um, he can't even hold the glass. And if people with small hands can't hold this glass, a 95-year-old guy who's got some issues with dexterity you're not holding that glass so i just got to a point where i just say please uh we just like the kids glass very few of the mostly younger staff are tuned into all of these things and we got to a point where we were really familiar with some of the staff at some of these restaurants so they kind of got to know dad a little bit and, you know even we were able to say hi and you know and he'd, he'd kind of recognize them and just the fact that we had to ask yeah. was hard yeah that would be hard you know um one of the things that you were talking about um you know getting to know the staff i think that's a, a strategy that a lot of people use. But of course, that's if you can get in the door, which is leading into the next item, something that I I just wouldn't have even thought of. How do we get in? Some of these restaurants um, uh, have vestibules that are challenging at best and dangerous at worst. There's a restaurant that we went to, which he felt was top of the rung for him. And I was happy to go there, but I was fearful of going there, to be quite honest. Because this vestibule was set up in a way that I would have to open the door and then wave to somebody inside. And I'm waving my hands as I'm doing this so that they could open the other door because he couldn't get in. There we sat, him in the vestibule, me holding one door open because I couldn't get around him because the vestibule is too small. 
And then somebody waiting at the front desk had to kind of see what was going on well enough to open their door to let him in. Disaster waiting to happen. And these vestibule doors can swing so fast. And he wants to try to do it himself, right? And push the door. And we, we were just petrified that something was going to happen. Now, this other restaurant that we went to, now that vestibule is pretty big. And he could comfortably kind of just hang there for a while while somebody was alerted that he's that he's in there needing someone to open the next door. You're constantly, you know, oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You know, oh, thank you. Oh, could you please help? Could, could you open this? And you're, you're stumbling over yourself to be friendly with all these people that are helping this poor guy out and just petrified that the door is going to swing and smack him. And, and <laughs> I'm, oh, my goodness. And so since he's been gone, I thought, man, here's another item I could have used. One of those big, fat rubber door stops. I would have used it a hundred times and I wouldn't have felt shame in using it at all. And it should have been in his bag of tricks in his locker. That's such a great solution. Just door stop it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, one more restaurant thing. So restaurant noise. And I know that there are restaurant geniuses all over America. They're saying the louder that music, the better alcohol sales we're getting. And man, it's just going to drive up sales and people are going to love being in a place that plays 80s music at 100 decibels. <laughs> it was part of my pre-planning that I go through to find the best available table that's furthest from a speaker. For him, it was impossible to have a normal conversation. I, I mean, honestly, impossible at the volume that they set their music to. So... <clears throat> I got to a point where I strategized on there was particular tables that were good away from the HVAC system um, mm. in the corner, whatever. But there were particularly good tables for us to have a conversation where I could actually hear him and he could hear me. With all of these things, did you ever get to the point where you called ahead and you said, hey, <laughs> do you have a table furthest away from the music? Um, you know, I mean, were, did you find yourself checking? No, I, I didn't. That's a great point. But you know what? It was funny. Because my dad would say, uh, especially in the beginning when he moved into his home, he'd say, the quietest table you have, <laughs> right? That's how he would present it as he would go in. And, and there was a yeah. reason he said that, because he couldn't hear us and we couldn't share. And again, I know there's this algorithm formula that the restaurants have developed. Somebody came up with it, right? It's, it's out there somewhere, boy. But it just took away so much of our adventure. And it instead of an ad, fun adventure, it turned into struggle and worry. Oh, shoot. Is he going to drop that glass? He can't even feel comfortable enough to put salt and pepper on and can't read this menu. And just heartbreaking. Yeah. He needs to feel empowered and like he wants to mm. have a ball, kick up his heels and order some dessert. And exactly. You want to be able to go to the restaurant you want to go to. Yeah. And and have an experience that is still a good experience, not an experience that just reminds him that he's 95 or 96 or, you know. Yeah. But part of the restaurants that we wanted to go to, like you said, or he wanted to go to, was all dictated on the easiest one to get into. What's the easiest path to get from the parking lot into that seat? Because, man, if you're in a walker and you can't move very fast, 
You got, you have to do a recon. Oh yeah. <laughs> this whole like mission impossible before you can actually sit down and enjoy your meal. Oh yeah. It's just part of the story, right? You think of accessibility and and when you and I originally probably thought of accessibility, we're thinking ramps and, you know, this kind of thing, but you just you don't think about these little things. You don't think about the remotes and the salt and pepper shaker. So I'm really glad that we're talking about this today. And you kind of hinted at this earlier, but out of all of these struggles, you actually had a really great idea. And so we're going to share it here. We're going to put it in show notes. But what was your idea? A goodie bag. Uh, uh, just a bag of tricks of some of these little components, a good straw that he doesn't have to unwrap. I mean, how cool would that have been? Let's pull out the restaurant bag, man. Straw, the salt and pepper shaker, your cinnamon that you love. Uh, in case that it's not sweet enough for you, uh, the door stopper, the key uh, device. We got to have a better solution. It's figured out for people that are our age. And that's that's got to start changing. Check out this episode's doable download in show notes for details, including industry terms and definitions we discussed, as well as a bonus tip from our guest. Have questions or your own tips to share? Leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, make it doable.